Moderna's CEO roils the markets by saying he expects the vaccine to be less effective against Omicron. Twitter gets a new CEO and CNN has a Chris Cuomo problem. Tuesday need to know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Shedder's Need to Know podcast for Tuesday, November 30th. I'm Jill Wagner with Carlo Versano. Hi, Carlo. Oh, good morning, Wags. Good to see your smiling face on this Tuesday. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I, I had a nice weekend. I actually worked on Friday. Um, which oh, how is was why that? I was that was off a yesterday. Rough day. Friday was a what rough did you say? one, huh? Friday was Friday a rough day. Friday is a yeah. day. You, like, it feels weird to be working. Um, but the markets are open. They have, at least have a half day. And unfortunately for me, it's the wrong half. So, uh, Which <laughs> exactly. I always thought was weird. If you're going to have the market open for half a day after a holiday, shouldn't it open late? Like, shouldn't it be open from 12 to 4 and not 930 mm. to, to 1? I think the Just bond the market has it right. The bond market's always closed. The bond market closes for like anything. They close for like, uh, you know, any random holiday. It's like if you're, you're a bond trader. You got a good gig out there. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, start there, actually. Stock futures and oil prices tumbling again this morning after the CEO of Moderna telling the Financial Times that he expects the current vaccines to show a material drop in efficacy against Omicron, given the variant's high number of mutations. This after President Biden called the Omicron variant a cause for concern, not a cause for panic. Uh, the World Health Organization is warning that it posed a very high risk around the world. The CDC updating its booster guidance to say that everyone 18 and up should get boosted to help protect against that new variant. Although it's still unclear what level of protection the vaccines do offer against Omicron. That is the that's the million dollar question here, uh, but that's uh, not not great what the uh, the Moderna guy had to say last night. Uh, so there's a lot of discussion out there that I find um, compelling that's arguing that we really screwed the pooch by not calling these three dose vaccines from the beginning, because it's it, I think it's going to end up being that this was it's a three dose course of treatment uh, when it comes down to it. And I think that Joe Biden really let himself kind of get rolled by the F, the uh, CDC over the summer on this issue. Um, you know, he should have been the, the federal government should have been pounding the pavement on the booster campaign uh, from the beginning, probably from back in August and September. And, and look, Monday morning quarterback. Right. I, that's what we do here, I guess. It gets a little tiresome. I just have so little um, you know, I, I'm just I, I don't have any patience for these mistakes anymore. So it, I find it very annoying. And the booster situation is is exactly that. I mean, the messaging is still too confusing. Right. First, the CDC says you may get one. Now they say you should get one. I mean, these are little things, right? These are little semantic changes, but they add up to just this sense of like what's going on, who's eligible and more importantly, why should you get boosted? Right. So just again, the bottom line, the, the, the guidance is now if you are six months after your last Pfizer shot or Moderna shot, get boosted. If you are two months after Johnson & Johnson, get boosted, period, bottom line, end of story. Uh, this just crossing the head of EU public health agency saying the severity of disease in Omicron case, uh, cases in the EU is mild, which kind of jives with what little info has come out of South Africa. It's still too early to know because COVID often starts mild before it comes becomes more serious, but it is definitely worth keeping in mind. Um, I listened to the podcast yesterday, Carla, with you and Baker. Um, like you said, it, you know, best case scenario here could very well be that the variant is, is highly contagious, but milder than Delta. I mean, it, it seems like 
we have very little info, but it, it seems pretty clear that this this virus is is more contagious. Yeah. I, again, I think that that is the best case scenario, right? It becomes dominant. It takes over Delta and it's just, um, you know, it's just a, a cold or a mild flu in most people, regardless of the vaccine efficacy. So again, we just have to wait. Patience is the watchword here for the next couple of weeks on this. Um, also, one thing I meant, I meant to mention this yesterday. And I forgot uh, just about the travel restrictions that are going into place against some of these countries like South Africa, where this was uh, this Omicron variant was first, um, uh, you know, seen, um, you know, even putting aside the, the the issue of punishing countries that have good viral surveillance, like the case of South Africa, I, you know, travel restrictions, I'm in favor of them if they're done thoughtfully. But the problem is they never are. Right. They never are done with any sort of, uh, you know, surgical precision. Right. If you remember back when um, President Trump closed the border with China in the early days of the pandemic, American passport holders were still allowed in even with the border closure, right? Uh, we, we close to South Africa, Botswana, uh, some several other African countries now, but only to foreign nationals. If you're a U.S. citizen and you're in Botswana, you can still come in to the United States with a negative test. That's ridiculous. I mean, to the extent that these, these travel bans work at all, they only work if they are done early and they're absolute, right? Nobody is allowed in. Um, the virus, obviously, needless to say, doesn't care what, whether you hold an American passport or not, right? It's also pretty clear that it's it's here. <laughs> like, I don't know why we're pretending it's not. The U.S. has done such a terrible job in terms of surveillance um, yeah. throughout this entire pandemic. So it's like, you, we're, what are we shutting down after the viruses or that variants already here? I mean, I, and I, I'm with you. If it's done in a way that's smart, I, I get it. Uh, one of the issues, though, um, the scientists in South Africa who are working to track the variants spread in that country. Like we keep saying, oh, we're waiting two weeks to figure out what's going on. So the scientists who are in charge of giving us that data now say that they're actually running out of the chemicals that they need to do the lab work that would help track it. And that's because oh, of that. the travel bans. So oh, wow. yeah. not good. Um, no. Another thing I wanted to mention, um, and I, you and Baker did not mention this yesterday, but I, there's like a, there is a consensus here. And I think this proves the point of, of why you have these big efforts to get the vaccine around the world, right? That, that until, the va until the vaccine is readily available, until the world pretty much figures out how to battle this pandemic, it's going to continue because you can have it, sure. a, a, var a crazy variant, like potentially Omicron, develop in another country and then it comes eventually comes back to the US and who knows if the vaccines are going to be effective. Okay. So while that is true, I, I that point is being made almost saying that we haven't done a good job getting the vaccine out at this point. However, South Africa in particular has plenty mm -hmm. of vaccines. They have plenty of vaccines. They just yeah. have an a much more vaccine hesitant population than even we do. Um, and it's right. same for other countries in, in Africa. Um, so they've actually had to slow down shipments of the vaccine coming to the country because they, they say they can't use them in time. Only about 30 percent of that country is vaccinated. Uh, so I just wanted to make that point because I, I yeah. think it's important as we have this conversation um, and, and politics, of course, be gets involved here. Um, we've reported the news about Moderna and, and the head of Moderna, uh, Albert Berlow, basically saying that the, you know, that unfortunately, he thinks that, oh, it's going to be high. These vaccines are going to be highly less effective against this uh, variant. I do want to note 
Scott Gottlieb, who is on the board at Pfizer, uh, former commissioner of the FDA, he not said the opposite, but he did tell CNBC, um, quote, there is a reasonable degree of confidence in vaccine circles that with at least three doses, the patient is going to have a fairly good protection against this variant. So that must be why they're obviously saying, you know, putting, you know, trying to get everybody vaccinated now in terms of the boosters. Um, But a lot of mixed messages. We, We obviously still do not know. Yeah. And one other thing, you mentioned how Omicron is probably here, which I'm sure it is. There's going to be a big test of us, the media, in the next coming days, because what's going to happen is they're going to, you know, find this variant in the United States somewhere, probably today or tomorrow or the next day. And it is incumbent on us. And by us, I mean the mainstream media in America to not freak the hell out over it. Right. I, I swear to God, if I see any network special reports breaking in about, you know, Omicron detected in the United States, if I see CNN going full throttle with breaking news banners, I'm going to lose my mind because it's just not helpful. It's just not helpful. And it's just going to give it's going to make people panic. And we don't need that. We do not need that right now. So please, I'm begging fellow media producers and people who work in this business, just don't freak out about this yet. Um, it's it's funny. I posted on, on my Instagram a headline from The Onion. Uh, Nation nearly strings together three good days <laughs> in a great. row. <laughs> and it's like, head. it's so That's true. It's like, I find I just got my booster shot. I'd been feeling pretty darn confident about just yeah, life totally, in general. Totally. And then we get this Omicron variant. Thanks a lot. You got to um, laugh. Remember, you got to laugh or you'll cry. It's yes. Uh, all right. Let's let's switch gears here. Um In Washington, uh, the Supreme Court takes up the biggest abortion case in decades today when justices are scheduled to hear opening arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. The case concerns a new Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks. That's um, before the fetal viability standard that was enshrined in Roe and it and was reaffirmed under Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So this uh, super conservative court will be charged with answering a relatively uh, narrow legal question, which is, quote, whether all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. That's the question. If they answer that question by saying no, those prohibitions aren't unconstitutional, that effectively ends Roe v. Wade. That effectively ends the constitutional right to an abortion in the United States. Now, they're not going to issue a decision that says outright that Roe is overturned. At least I don't think so. I think they're going to do this in a more backhanded way. You know, there's a chance I'm wrong, maybe. I think there's a chance that Chief Justice Roberts can get one other conservative, maybe uh, Barrett or maybe Kavanaugh, to go along uh, with the concept of stare decisis. That is, you know, precedent overrules everything else. Um, It's possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. I think that, you know, Roe is as good as dead in America come June when the decisions are issued. And I think it will come to an end via this case, probably most likely. Um, And a quick note here, you could tune into Cheddar on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time for a special abortion in America. It's it's an exploration of the national conversation around one of the country's most contentious political issues. Yeah, our colleague uh, Megan Pratt has been doing really good work on this, so I would highly uh, recommend everybody tune into Cheddar tomorrow night to check that out. Uh, Barbados has ended British rule, becoming the first part of the Commonwealth uh, in almost 30 years to declare itself a republic. The Caribbean island 
nation officially removed Queen Elizabeth as its head of state overnight to coincide with the 50th, 55th excuse me, anniversary of its independence today. A huge celebration in the main square of Bridgetown heralded the end of colonial rule, although Barbados will stay a part of the so-called Commonwealth realm, which is kind of the same as Australia and Canada. Yeah, exactly. Prince Charles was actually on hand for this uh, ceremony, um, as Buckingham Palace has said that it respects the decision while also emphasizing the enduring friendship between those two countries. Uh, Barbados didn't actually need the monarchy's permission to cut ties, uh, but they sort of, you know, got um, an agreement to do it with uh, with the crown. By the way, Prince Charles was uh, there. Guess who else was there? Riri. Rihanna was on hand. Uh, oh. She was named. She was made a national hero, an official national hero during the ceremony. Fair. So very cool there. Um, and can I use this for a very uh, selfish – can I use this news peg for a very selfish reason for two seconds? Becky and I are considering sure. taking – taking Franny on a, uh, you know, quick and easy Caribbean resort vacation this winter. And I'm having trouble because I've obviously never flown or traveled with an infant before. So I'm looking for recommendations. If anyone has has been to the Caribbean uh, with a baby um, and has any recommendations on where to stay, I am all ears. You know, I, I, I'm down to splurge. I'm not saying the four seasons here, but maybe something a little nice. Uh, so anyway, I'm taking recommendations. You can hit me up uh, and tell me if you've had any um, good family trips down there. Um, and you know what, if we get a bunch of recommendations, I will repost them on my Instagram stories and maybe my Twitter page too. So, uh, Jill R Wagner is my Instagram and, uh, my Twitter is Jill Wagner TV. So I, I'm curious, I'd love some recommendations too. And a vacation sounds Wonderful. Oh, uh, right I need now. it. Oh, I think I think Omicron will probably scramble this, and I'll definitely opt for the travel 100%. insurance. If I pull the tra- because I've already had to cancel two trips over this stupid pandemic. So why not a third, right? Yes. Um, okay. Now <laughs> to the big news on Wall Street. Jack Dorsey is stepping down as the CEO of Twitter, the company he co-founded in 2006. Twitter's chief technology officer, Parag Agrawal, um, excuse me, Agrawal, will take over effective immediately. Dorsey ran Twitter twice. First with its founding, and then he returned back in 2015. He has been criticized, though, for being a part-time CEO since he also runs the payments company Square. Dorsey didn't say what spurred the decision to step down, um, just that he was ready to move on. Hmm. I'm sure just like everybody else on Twitter, he will eventually come back with his uh, tail between <laughs> his legs. That's what that's what always happens, right? No, I'd probably not. I mean, he's a crypto guy now. I think crypto is his big thing. So that's probably what's behind this. Uh, Agrawal, by the way, he also 37 may have been pushed years- out. Scott Galloway, who I know we're going to talk about yeah. in a little bit. He his theory here, um, which interestingly, I went on Twitter last night and there was um, it, they've kind of like a clubhouse competitor. It's called yeah. Spaces. Um, and he was doing a, a convo with Kara Swisher and a, a bunch of uh, Casey Newton, a bunch of good tech reporters. And, and they were talking about what this means. His theory is that he thinks he thinks Dorsey was was basically fired. And they, they said yeah. either you're going to get fired or you could, you know, go out on your own. Yeah, that makes sense. Agrawal, by the way, 37 years old. That's my age. He's the second youngest CEO now of an S&P 500 company after Mark Zuckerberg. Really incredible. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Scott Galloway. He, you know, he had been hammering Dorsey for years for basically trying to run two companies at once and doing a bad job at both. And I mean, he has a point, right? I mean, like they, it seems like it'd be hard enough to be CEO of one company, but to be CEO of two companies, that's a lot of work. I don't know why you'd even want to do that. Uh, and Twitter stock down 13 percent. 
this year, which to your point, probably the real reason behind all of this. Um, you know, that said, I've always had sort of a soft spot for Jack Dorsey. Of all of our, our tech overlords, uh, I find him to be sort of like the least repellent. Uh, he's kind of a weirdo. Right. He, and I mean that in a good way, uh, you know, t- <laughs> he's, like a hippie, he's got that, it feels like he is a total he's a total hippy dippy kind of guy. Um, Twitter. But, you know, Twitter is the best of the social networks. It's not that's not really saying much, but it's you know, it's management under Dorsey has taken kind of this hands off approach that has really allowed the platform to flourish, I think, in a lot of ways that it probably never would under somebody like Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this new guy, Agrapal, goes with that or if he tries to make it more advertiser friendly, which is usually the death knell for these companies. I don't know if you were ever a Tumblr user, uh, but that was a great, that was my favorite social network before it was bought by Yahoo and, um, you know, gutted. And now it's unusable. Carlo Axios, I think, made a great point in terms of why all of this matters. So if you're listening and you're not on Twitter and you're thinking, like, who cares? Um, right. However, Twitter is extremely influential. So uh, Axios writing, the person who controls Twitter controls the de facto public square with implications for politics, media and free speech. Um, and, and I think that that's right, because when you think about who's on it, it's pretty much all politicians, journalists, a lot of celebs yep. are on it. Um, so even though the, the actual subscription base is not huge, um, the influence, I think, is outsized. There are reports totally. Dorsey was spending about 10 percent of his time work on, on Twitter and the rest at his other company, Square. 10 percent is nothing. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, apparently the employees really felt it or just this lack of leadership and interest. Um, I also saw this great tweet from the CEO of Stripe, Patrick Collison, who wrote Google, Microsoft, Adobe, IBM, Palo Alto Networks, and now Twitter, run by CEOs who grew up in India. Wonderful to watch the amazing success of Indians in the technology world and a good reminder of the opportunity that America offers to immigrants. Um, and then a, a congratulations yeah. to him. Um, interestingly, though, Twitter shares popped at this initial news of Dorsey stepping down, um, but then did finish the day a bit lower, meaning investors not necessarily sold um, on the new CEO. CNN anchor Chris Cuomo had a bigger role than previously known in advising his brother, Andrew Cuomo, as he responded to sexual harassment allegations that eventually led the former New York governor to resign. According to documents and text exchanges released by the New York AG's office, Chris Cuomo offered to reach out to his own sources to determine whether more women were going to come forward with allegations against his brother. He also dictated statements for the then governor to say and shared a lead um, on at least one of the accusers. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, CNN is under growing calls uh, now to fire Cuomo. Uh, They're saying that they will review this material. The network, um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they cut bait on him today, actually. And I got to say, this is becoming sort of a bigger story. Uh, Once again, we sort of talked about this back when Andrew Cuomo was uh, in the middle of this whole thing. And I I know I'll take flack for saying this, but and I do think, look, I I think that using your own sources to try to get intelligence on an active investigation involving your brother is not a great look journalistically. But it's his brother. Again, I mean, I'll admit right here and now that, you know, I would do that if my brother was governor of New York and he was under investigation for something. I would probably use any any tool I had in my toolbox, professional or otherwise, to help him. I, I, don't, know, I don't know. Maybe it's I hate Ita- to Italian. say it, but I thought maybe it's an thing. Italian thing. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, family. Family I, first. I don't know. I kind of understand it. Listen, obviously, across. Um, a lot of journalistic lines yeah. and CNN has to figure out what they're going to do. But just on a personal level, I, yeah. I kind of get it. Um, it's I'm not, like I'm he was not helping. saying it was the right thing to do. 
Yeah, it's not like he was helping like just like some guy who was, you know, his buddy. It was his brother. It was his big brother. I don't know. I don't know. All right, time for a little more to know before we go. This just crossing the wire. Regeneron says that its monoclonal antibody treatment appears to be less effective against Omicron and may need to be modified. (laughs) (sighs) Can we get a little break here, news gods, please? Uh, Speaking of which, here in New York City, we are now being quote-unquote advised to wear masks at all times indoors once again. That's coming from the city's top doctor. This is not a mandate per se, but it is a strong recommendation. And I think everybody should expect to see more of these advisories drop, especially once Omicron is confirmed to be in the United States. Um, Elizabeth Holmes has been on the witness stand for going on four days at her fraud trial in California. The Theranos founder testified that she was emotionally and physically abused by Ramesh Balwani, her former boyfriend and business partner. By far, this was the most dramatic moment in the trial thus far. Yeah, uh, she was crying on the stand, which is something that we haven't seen from her yet. Uh, just speaking of trials here, Ghislaine Maxwell's defense opened her uh, f- uh, federal trial in Manhattan by comparing Maxwell to Eden from the Garden of Eden, uh, saying that she is basically taking the fall of the sins of men. Uh, prosecutors painted Maxwell as somebody who was intimately involved in Jeffrey Epstein's life and affairs and who started procuring young girls for Epstein in the 1990s under the, the ruse of uh, giving him a massage. Um, And yet another high-profile trial is underway in Chicago. Actor Jesse Smollett going on trial for allegedly making false reports to police and claiming that he was the victim of a racist and homophobic attack in early 2019. Prosecutors say the attack was entirely uh, made up by Smollett, who allegedly paid two brothers to stage the incident as a way to bolster his career by playing into the pain and anger of racism. Smollett has maintained that he did nothing wrong. Um, And we talk about victims here. Who does this hurt? This hurts everyone who's actually actually a victim of a racist attack. Totally. I still don't understand really what he's arguing, that he would just, that it actually did happen. I got to spend more time on this trial, I guess, even though I really couldn't care less in some ways. Uh, Finally, Tiger Woods has given his first extensive interview since that car crash back in April that caused serious injuries to his legs. Uh, Woods told Golf Digest that he acknowledged the, quote, unfortunate reality that he will never again be a full-time golfer, but he still hopes to play in the PGA Tour, at least at some level again in the future. He also revealed that in the immediate aftermath of that accident, Doc were seriously considering amputating his leg. So thankfully, it didn't wow. come to that, and he has been practicing with a club and ball once again. All right, that is what you need to know for Tuesday, November 30th. All right, guys, see you in December. <laughs>